Welcome to Cubby Cubby Blue. Your baseball is still being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. We are here every series with what you need to know from what happened in the last series and what you need to know going ahead. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. Andy Cruz, Vanasek. And, you know, for this Monday morning, I guess we'll go ahead and earmark this episode. I am not feeling too bad about this series, although I could. So let's try to find the positive today and move on and kick some Cardinal booty. Yeah, by not feeling bad about this series, I, I presume you're talking about the fact that the Cubs dropped three of four to the Brewers over the weekend. And like perspective, people, they were not going to play 800 baseball forever. I think, like, we got really lucky that the Cubs uh, got off to a super hot start. But there were still elements of this series that were kind of frustrating, right? Like, one-run one losses are frustrating even when they're not bad losses. I, yeah, I mean, 100%. And to have three of them in a row. <laughs> in a um, row, in a row. And all games that we were leading at one point. Right. That's um, the other thing. Like, you go yeah. from having the lead and feeling pretty good to, oh, we're just barely behind and we can't get the lead back. <laughs> well, and, and we kind of alluded to this before the series when we recorded. And basically, baseball is going to baseball. And division foes are always going to play the, the Cubs tough. And the Brewers did just that. I mean, their offense showed up and took advantage of – I mean, literally a couple bad pitches. That's all this series was, was a couple bad pitches. And, you know, obviously our offense cooled off quite a bit. Um, but again, you know, that's, it, it's, it's baseball. It's a season where, you know, at the, at the rate that the Cubs were going, it just was not sustainable. It was not something that was going to continue on for a long period of time. And, you know, <laughs> thank goodness they started off the way they did and took care of business right off the bat. And hopefully they can get back to that. I definitely am, was a little concerned with their approaches um, going into the later part of the series, as far as how many strikeouts they were r- racking up um, 53 total strikeouts. Now, granted, this is a four game series, but that is way too many times to be striking out against um, a team that, like I said, in, all four of these games, they had a lead in three of those games they ended up dropping. So definitely some concern there. I will say that at least a few of those strikeouts had a healthy assist from the home plate umpires. Jordan Baker yesterday in the late innings was just infuriating. So if, if you didn't miss, if you didn't happen to watch a Sunday afternoon's game, Ian Happ is, I think it was Happ. I could be wrong about this. Is up uh, face like with the bases loaded and like, ready to do some damage and the, actually am i am i wrong about this was the eighth it's, inning yeah bases loaded right uh, yeah i'm pretty sure it was david bodie though or we could Bode's be talking up. about two Thank separate bats no i think you're right i think you're I, well because there were multiple in a row that were blown back to back and so uh the zone is basically apparently for jordan baker like two inches on the outside and an inch off the out on the inside and it just like widened the plate to a degree where you couldn't possibly do anything right The same thing happens to Nico Horner in the ninth inning and to Ian Happ. And I was just like, what what are you supposed to do when the zone is like the zone plus three inches on any side? Anyway, I tweeted this out from my account. So you you can get the actual names and the location of the pitches 
um, from the images that I shared there in frustration during the ninth inning, but it was really just a terrible zone. It was. And for uh, somebody like Nico Horner, who has a very, very quick bat, and especially through the the higher part of the strike zone, he's able to get a bat on a lot of those um, eyeball level fastballs that um, totally drawing a blank. And it was their, oh God, who was their, their, who was, who closed the last David two weeks? Thank you. Well, well um, they had Josh Hader in the ninth, but they had David Phelps in, former Cub David Phelps in before that. Yeah, and I'll get to him. Don't don't you worry. I'll get to him. But Nico Horner was, you know, giving haters such a battle. And same with David Bodie. And they both have very quick bats through the zone. And Hater is notorious for throwing that high strike that a lot of batters can't touch, can't even foul off. And both Bodie and Nico Horner gave him a tough time um, in the upper part of that zone, really fouling off a lot of balls that are usually swing and misses. And neither one of them got the benefit of those high strikes. And um, yeah, the umpire is six foot, six foot seven, I believe they said yesterday. So his zone might've been a little elevated, but you can't do that to these batters that are battling 97, 98 mile an hour fastballs and are really, you know, trying to hang in there and, and do something for their team. And then, you know, you totally screw them on the upper half of that strike zone. And it's like, I mean, yeah, that's very infuriating, and that did give an assist on a lot, not a lot, but a few of the strikeouts. But just overall, just the swing and misses were so infuriating on some of um, some of our, our lineup that really should have been making some contact at some point. It was it was a little little scary, a little alarming, but you know, granted that we have the Cardinals and we have a couple pitchers that um, I don't think are in the same comparison as this Milwaukee rotation in their bullpen, I, I think our offense can maybe get kickstarted again today, but yeah, man, it, it, some of those situations where we had bases loaded or two or um, runners on first and second with one out situations that we should be pushing some runs across were just so infuriating, but again, it's going to happen. I mean, the, the, it's baseball. We, we have to stay realistic here. Totally. I mean, the Brewers are just a pesky team. They have a really solid bullpen. And so if you, if you find yourself down one run or even two runs after the fifth or sixth inning, it just sort of starts to feel like you can't come back. And I hate that feeling, but that's kind of what it felt like Saturday, Sunday, and Friday for that matter, um, that the Cubs were just not going to be able to get that run across. And hopefully uh, Andy is right that it's just, it's just a fluke and that is not a problem for this team because – that would be an issue going forward. Um, let's well, talk about some. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say I, I just wanted to talk about their bullpen for a second because um, we had let's see, Thursday was a nationally televised game on Fox, I believe, against Milwaukee and um, Jack Joe Buck, not Jack Buck. Joe Buck was um, one of our wonderful announcers for Fox, and you know, listen, their rotation is. I don't think it's as good as the Cubs rotation um, on paper. I mean, it's right up there, but it, it's not quite as good as the Cubs. Their bullpen by far blows our bullpen away. Their bullpen is locked down and they showed us that. I mean, that's good stuff. David Phelps, ex-Cub, where in the heck was this stuff when you were wearing our uniform, dude? Like ridiculous. This dude was um, finished up. I think he was the, the eighth inning guy for both um, Saturday and Sunday and just locked us down and made us look silly. And, you know, good for him. 
But where the heck was this in a Cubs uniform? Like, you very well could still be a Cub if you showed us this last year. Like, just it, it was just crazy to me. And and like I said, good for him. I I really liked him when he was a Cub. Um, but you know, it's just so. Like I said, I, I could go on forever about how frustrated I was with this lineup and late innings against the bullpen. But that's also a sign of a strong bullpen too. So. That's that's all I'm going to say about about their bullpen. It, it it's legit. It was a good good run for for the Cubs offense up into this series. But you know, this is another thing that we have to think about too is going up against a solid bullpen like Milwaukee. That's that's the the caliber of bullpen they're going to face in the in the playoffs. So, well, I think that Milwaukee probably has the best bullpen this side of the Yankees, and that's the only other team I can think of that has a bullpen even remotely as good. Um, I, I mean, I will say about the pitchers who, because there are others out there, right? Like Anthony Bass is apparently closing for <laughs> the Blue Jays now. He he hung out with the Cubs for a hot minute and wasn't very good. I think there's a reason that there was a lot of turnover in some of those ancillary coaching roles over the offseason. Like there wasn't a ton of turnover at the key coaching roles. Like we still have the same like key pitching coach and the same key hitting coach, but I think there's a reason that there was some turnover in some of those other roles and hopefully um, we'll see more out of the Cubs bullpen guys than what we have seen in the past. Uh, speaking of bullpens though, I do want to talk about something that didn't look terrible, which was the Cubs bullpen. Uh, the the bats just couldn't get some runs late and don't get me wrong. They gave up a run here or there, but bullpens are going to do that. Um, in particular, Craig Kimbrell pitched twice and looked like not bad. Not bad at all. Like the spin rate was up. The whip rate was up. People are swinging at his curveball again. It's stabilizing. It's not back to his career normals yet, but he's getting right back up there. And, you know, he's throwing that curveball for strikes, which is making it harder for players to hit his fastball. And if that's for real, I'm not saying he's the closer. I think that Jeffers is probably um, the guy for that role right now. But having him there, Kimbrell, as like an eighth inning, seventh inning guy who can get you out of a tough spot would be huge. I mean, absolutely. He is definitely somebody that has to contribute at some point in some fashion for this team to do what it wants to do. Um, He's just too big of an arm in that bullpen that we cannot have misfunction. So to see him on Saturday and Sunday have a good appearance, a good solid one inning of swing and miss pitching, I mean, I honestly, that made me, if nothing else about this series, feel really good about where we're at with um, with him. Um, you know, and that, and they're they have some pretty good bats in their lineup that he was he was matched up against. So that was a good sign as well. You know, you have to you have to take baby steps when it comes to stuff like this because he you know he struggled in the beginning and has has had some issues as far as people making contact, hitting balls out of the park, things that he's not used to. So that tends to to travel to your head a little bit as somebody as dominant as he once was. I'm sure it was something that messed with his head a bit. So to have him have you know. I think David Ross is doing the right thing by giving him an inning here and inning there in situations where it's not such a pressure situation. It's more of just go out there and get three outs type thing. You don't have men on bases. You're not coming into a situation where the game is on the line, kind of just tiptoeing him into back into a role where he can make a difference and contribute. And 
I love that. And, and he looked great. And, you know, you start to feel a little bit of that swag coming back. And I hope that he is utilized a bit with the Cardinals and he's able to give us a couple more solid inning performances. Yeah, 100%. We all want Craig Kimbrell to succeed. That helps the team tremendously. Um, speaking of pitching, Tyler Chatwood went to the injured list. He has a mild back strain. That is clearly unfortunate as the Cubs are about to play five games in three days, but that is for the second half of the show. Uh, Jose Quintana is apparently pitching off a mound in South Bend. He threw a three-inning sim game without issues, which is good news, but I just can't imagine he's going to come back ready to pitch six or seven innings right off the bat. And it doesn't sound like he's going to be activated for the Cardinal series. So TB, there's a lot of TBD in the probable pitcher matchups when we get there. And those games start in mere hours. <laughs> I was going to say, just to add to that, I was able um, to catch that part of uh, Theo Epstein did an interview this morning with Cap and um, Jonathan Hood. Um, they have a new show on ESPN in the morning, so it was on rather early. But Theo was on very early talking about Quintana quite a bit and and basically just made the comment that he will not be ready um, in the near future. Probably, he said, in the next 10 days to come back in, in a major league capacity. They really want to see him work some more. They just they think it would be unfair to put him in a situation where he couldn't do his best. So, um, yeah, we're not looking to have him added back to the roster anytime soon. And, you know, possibly in the next 10 days, he said. But that's still that's still a ways off. And being that we have five games over the next three days, um, he did. Theo did say to expect a roster move today for our second game starter because that has not yet been announced. So we'll have to wait and see what that is. I think David Ross is supposed to talk to the media around 1230, I think they said. Um, but that's supposed to be announced. So look for that roster move. And probably by the time you're listening to this, it's already happened. So um, just an FYI that we knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of optimistic there might be an Azalea sighting uh, in our future because I, I don't know who else they're going to get to throw those innings, but that's just my guess. Um, let's take a look at the standings really quick before the break, and then obviously everything on the second half of the show will be Cardinals-Cubs, which we know, we know, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. Um, the <laughs> Reds and Pirates didn't play all weekend because there is a COVID-19 case on the Reds. Uh, that was a postponement on Saturday, a postponement on Sunday. They, the two teams both have a mutual off day today on Monday, and they are not going to play a doubleheader to try to make up for that or anything, which leads me to believe that the Reds are probably going to be shut down a little bit longer this week. It's unclear how long and if the Pirates will be shut down as well. To my knowledge, the name of the player who tested positive is not public yet. And probably won't be until the Reds get to the point where they make some IL moves and then you can see who's been put on the 10-day IL. Um, that said, even with the 1-3 and three series with the Brewers, the Cubs are still on top of the standings. They have a three-and-a-half game lead over both the Brewers and the Cardinals, who both have 400 records, although asterisks on that Cardinals record because they've only played eight games. So they are 4-4. Four and four. So just a heads up on this, and I just want to make note of this because this is absolutely insane. So yes, our Chicago Cubs are now 13 and six. They've come down to earth a little bit with this Milwaukee series. They are three and four against the Brewers this early 2020 season. They are 10 and two versus everyone else. So 
if that gives you some sort of perspective as far as where we're at here, obviously they have played um, Cincinnati. They played Pittsburgh. They have not yet played St. Louis. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the direction on, on, on where this past series kind of takes them, you know, considering that they're playing the Cardinals next and the White Sox. Um, but you know, something to just kind of keep an eye on, obviously that series had even been split. We'd be singing probably a different tune, but again, you know, these close games like that, they're, they're going to come back and, and, you know, hopefully not make a big difference because we kind of padded our division lead there early, but you know, we, we've seen 2018 was a situation, you know, um, 2019 wasn't so much, but all these games with the division foes matter. So the Cardinals, I hate to say that it's a big series, but coming off a one in three series against Milwaukee, it kind of is. I mean, every game is big in a 60 game season. I think that the, I've seen different ways to look at this. One that I don't particularly like is the whole, like each game is worth 2.7 games of a regular season. Like sort of, but not really. But in a 60 game season, the point is, is less about like how you, equalize those stats to 162 game season and the fact that each game has an outsized impact on your record right so if the Cubs find themselves in this five games in three days against the Cardinals and they win three out of three out of those five that is a substantially better position than if they lose uh four out of those five or three out of those five right so you just have to have to remember that in a shortened season each game has an outsized impact on your record Um, I am, you know, baseball's going to baseball. There's going to be times when you have a lot of injuries. There's going to be times when you have people that are, that you wish were playing that can't play, right? So it's not an ideal time to have five games in three days, but I trust David Ross and Theo to keep things level-headed and to get things taken care of. And we're just going to see what happens. It's not an ideal time for the Cardinals either they looked okay against the White Sox but remember this is a team that like basically didn't practice for two weeks so pandemic baseball is just weird we now find ourselves in a situation where the Reds and Pirates are shut down who knows what type of ramifications that will have for the schedule later luckily for the Cubs they don't play either the Reds or the Pirates for a few days so it seems like the Cubs schedule may be um, padded there a little bit but honestly who knows I, I feel like it is a lot of it's a lot of chaos this year. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't know who originally started this, but embrace the chaos is kind of one of those things that I've kind of donned as my day to day motto. <laughs> Because every day presents a new set of chaos. And as far as baseball is concerned, I think this division is going to define that, embrace the chaos all the way up into the end, just because you'll start to see now, um, and you know, we'll say this over and over again, but this hot start really helped the Cubs a lot. And I think it's going to help them down the stretch too. But you'll see this, the division kind of equalize out because there are a couple of teams that are very similar as far as talent on paper and where they should be falling in this division. So um, yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the Reds and the Pirates um, because they're both shut down right now. And it'll be interesting to see how it works, you know, because the Cubs have to play the Cardinals five games in three days and the Cardinals have to play a lot of situations like that to catch back up. So, you know, it's going to take a toll on some of these teams that, um, 
you know, yeah, David Ross is going to take care of things and handle things the way he needs to, but it's still going to be wear and tear. It's still a lot of baseball in a short amount of time. You're still going to see some fatigue on, on with some of these players that maybe aren't getting the breaks that they really should. So, you know, all of these things add up to what is going to be a very chaotic 2020 season. And you just kind of buckle up and, and, and hold on and see where it takes us. Cause I mean, you know, the way I look at it and I was upset at the way that the last three games of this Milwaukee series went because we lost by one run in games that we had leads. But I was like, you know what, guys, we're watching baseball. And not only that, we're watching a Cubs team that is extremely on fire. I mean, up until the series, they were obviously playing very good baseball. That doesn't just go away. Like players don't just all of a sudden suck and like not come back and, and do something good. So you know, just hold on. You'll 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 see this team bounce back. And I really think with what we've seen out of the dugout, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, and and the team spirit, if you will, that these guys are demonstrating. I mean, that's not just going to go away, and especially not against a team like the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, we can talk about the team spirit now. I think that it's been pretty incredible watching the way the dugout responds to everything. I mean, I just love them clapping along to Rizzo's walkout music, not just at home, also on the road. And they each have like their own different ways of doing this. I tweeted out a video clip of this because I thought it was so amazing. But, you know, you got Schwarber, he's like doing this back and forth with his head and his helmet. And Sousa's like walking around the dugout, like clapping as he paces and Javi's up there like banging on the drum. Like, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I think that, those types of intangibles and that type of enthusiasm and excitement in a short season is a big deal. And I know the Cubs didn't pull it off yesterday against the Brewers, but look, you got a player like Javi Baez who is struggling, who gets a day off, comes in as a pinch hitter to try to get something going against one of the toughest pitchers in the game and Josh Hader. And he tries so hard to leg out a single on an infield little like bloop hit that he's literally like trying to Jedi mind trick hater and like slide in under the tag. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen and it didn't work, but that's their, that's where their heart is. You can see that they're fighting for everything. So it's not always going to work. Baseball is going to do that sometimes, but I think that this team has a lot of the intangibles and spirit that you want to see on a contender. And I fully expect they're going to be ready against the Cardinals. I mean, 2020, this team definitely has the ability and the potential to be something very special. And, you know, things, some things will have to go our way. And some of these things they'll just create and, and put themselves in situations to make go their way. And we've seen that in, in some of the, the games that we've watched thus far, you know, situational hitting. I mean, but all of this stuff, and this is, I will continue to say this, and um, this is something that I think is so undervalued. All of this stuff starts with, you know, your leadoff hitter, the mentality that they go up there with their approach, getting on base, pumping up their team, whatever. And I think having Bryant lead off and Rizzo in the number two spot is just so underappreciated right now. I think even though KB is is kind of skidding a little bit, I, I that's not going to last. That's not a forever thing. That's He's just having a slow start. But I think that is so... Um, such a, a valuable thing for this team to set the tone and and get that get this uh, lineup going and that carries through. You know, I mean, we're going to be playing two seven inning games today. They start with that same 
that same team spirit, that same enthusiasm, that's going to carry through and that's going to keep guys going. And the guys that are on the bench that don't get to contribute in the first game will probably see playing time in the second game. You think that they're not amped up when they see their teammates doing stuff like that? I mean, that stuff is so powerful and such an undervalued part of the game. And I love that we kind of have that back. Like we had that for a while, a couple of years ago, and we haven't had that in a while. And now that it's back and we're kind of doing that again, I love it. It's so much fun to watch. And even when we lose, you know, it's hard to feel bad because you're like, well, these guys are definitely going to come back and do the same thing again. So I love it. Totally. Uh, news from around the league really fast before we take a quick break. The Tigers made some interesting call-ups today, including their top pitching prospect, Casey Mize, and former Cub Isaac Paredes, uh, who went over there with J. Mark Candelario. So, I, you know, good luck to Isaac Paredes. I hope he has a great um, career in a Tigers uniform and I'm looking forward to watching Casey Mize. I am also looking forward to watching a slew of Cubs Cardinals baseball and Andy and I are going to tell you everything that you need to know about that on the flip side. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. Uh, a little bit delayed, but the Cubs and Cardinals are going to play some games. In fact, they're going to play a lot of games, including two American Legion doubleheaders. That's right. Monday's games and Wednesday's games will be seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last time. I, I still don't even know what to expect from this, Andy. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the only thing that I can say with certainty is that I am praying to all the baseball gods that we don't see extra innings in any of these games because, it. I mean, it's already so unconventional, the kind of baseball that we're going to be watching today. And I, I don't know, like... I struggle with it a little bit. I did watch some of the Cardinals White Sox doubleheader, two seven inning doubleheaders on um, Saturday. And it was just so strange to me because the way that the manager approaches how they're handling the pitching, how they're handling um, the bullpen, it's just, it, it's such a different, different approach because you're in the fifth inning, but essentially you're like in the eighth inning or you're in the seventh inning, you know? So it's, it's so weird and you really have to kind of adjust your, your frame of thinking, especially even as a fan, because you only have seven innings. Now I grew up playing seven innings because in, in softball, that's what we play. We play seven innings, but it's so much different to watch these guys do it. You know, I mean, it's just such a, it's such a, a mind zap. You really have to like re you know readjust yourself and kind of really like stop and say whoa we're only playing seven innings here like you know you have to think about each each at bat you know each base runner um it, it'll be weird but I mean not to say it's not something we we can't adjust to we can't deal with and you know I kind of think it almost it benefits us a little bit more than it does the Cardinals but again I guess that's probably something that's you know debatable but I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just ready to play these games. I, I'm I'm hoping that our offense kicks up a little bit here. You know, like I said, with a, with seven inning games, you're going to have, you know, a different amount of at-bats. They're only playing 10 more innings than they typically would be playing in this Cardinal series. But to me, that just seems like a lot. And they have to definitely go go out there and adjust their approach, you know, to what they had at the in the late games of the Milwaukee series. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm super stoked um, for all of this. I, I really like the way you characterize the sort of mentality you need to have 
in a seven inning game versus a nine inning game. It'll be interesting to see one, how these players adapt to that, but two, they kind of have to go back and forth, right? So like Monday's going to be back to back seven inning games and then there's a nine inning game and then you go back to the seven inning games. I think that that could, you know, you really got to be level headed and just kind of go with the flow um, to keep your head into all of that. This Cubs team offensively, it's still clicking, but it's been different guys each time. And I think that it's kind of interesting. I want to look um, at who's been hot on the Cubs over the last two weeks. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me because some of these players have really cooled off. Other players have really stepped up. Jason Hayward is actually the hottest hitter on the Cubs right now. Over the last two weeks, he's been batting 333, 406, 630. Uh, Ian Happ is right behind him batting 323, 500. 452. And then a few of our favorites have really kind of hit the skids and are really scuffling a bit. Uh, Wilson Contreras um, is batting 162, 256, 270 over the last two weeks, which is yikes. Uh, Hopefully he can right that ship. And Javier Baez, man, uh, 167, 182, 190, which is clearly why he was given a day off Yesterday, both of those guys are posting um, strikeout rates that are hovering right around 40%, which is less than ideal. Ouch. Yeah, I I did a little math and not that it was hard to go back and do, but it was more like soul crushing. But our our good love here, um, Willie Contreras and um, my good love here, um, Javier Baez went 0 for 27 combined in the series. And that is not something I expect we'll see um, a whole lot of. Those two guys definitely need to produce at some level, whether it's even balls in play, because there was not a ton of that. I meant to look that number up as well. And sorry, it's Monday, so I'm working in between all of this. But um, just the contact was not there this series. And you really it it was noticed. Um, It was definitely something that. Uh, you know, with runners on, you want to be able to make some sort of contact to, to advance runners or to put them in situations where, you know, they're not running into outs and you just felt like that was lacking. I mean, and again, these guys are, these guys are good, smart, well, well-prepared athletes that are not going to do this all the time. This was something that a, a good, a good baseball team will you know, we'll bounce back from. So I definitely look for them to uh, get off a, a good hot starts today. I think honestly that um, this is just like, this was kind of the lull before the high. I really feel like we'll see a couple guys come out this series that we haven't seen a ton of and, and, and get that bat going, get their bats going. Um, but it's hard to watch some of your best guys go over and, and expect to win a series. You know, I mean, that's, that's just a hard, hard reality. And it does happen. Just, I, I don't think we're going to see it happen too much. Yeah. I, I'm sure that, you know, like this happens every baseball season. People have streaks that are good streaks that are bad. Um, Javi and Willie are both pretty streaky players generally. So I'm sure they'll write the ship, but I do think that was a contributing factor. You, you noted the strikeouts during the Brewer series. And I, it's real hard when the three and four hitters in your lineups are striking out a bunch to get anything going. So hopefully that changes with the Cardinals coming to town. There is not a lot of data on the Cardinals offense because they've been um, out of commission for so long. But based on what we saw on the South side, it looks like Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, Dexter Fowler, and Max Schrock, because of course Max Schrock. If you remember 
that was the infielder <laughs> that Tara was like, oh, yeah, he's just he's like not going to do a lot. He's a second baseman, blah, blah, blah. Well, not going to do a lot. Second baseman. Uh, he was and, and admittedly, it's very small sample size, but he was on like doing damage on the south side. So welcome to the 2020 version of Tommy Edmund. <laughs> well, and I, I read a number of tweets over the weekend um, because, of course, you know, our St. Louis friends are very excited to watch baseball again. So um, I tended to kind of take this with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously, they're all very knowledgeable and, and very respected sports people, but you could tell they were very excited. And I was reading things like, you know, so-and-so is 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 really the real deal and this, that, and the other, which I'm sure I don't have a doubt that some of these guys are, but I have a hard time like feeling that way after, you know, four, was it four games, three games um, playing after two weeks. Like you, you're going to have to give me a little bit more than that. So there's nobody really, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it's hard to really take these numbers and put them in a way that will make sense um, to compare them to, you know, the Cubs that have been playing throughout, um, which no fault of their own. We understand, you know, COVID is going to COVID and it has. So, um, but it's just, it's hard for me to be like, well, yeah, Goldschmidt's hot. You know, he's going to, he's going to have a great series. Carpenter, he's heating up, you know, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense to go through this lineup that way. I mean, we know the Cardinals, we're very familiar with the Cardinals. We've, you know, been playing pretty much the same core of players for the past couple of years. So, I mean, David Ross is, I'm excited to see how he approaches the Cardinals lineup because I feel like that is a thing. Like they're one of our big rivals. We have five games in three days. There is going to be an approach. Like there is going to be a way that he handles this. So I'm excited to see that um, and how he pitches to some of these, um, these hitters. But I mean, we have Kyle Hendricks starting the series off. You know, Kyle Hendricks has done very well against the Cardinals. I watched him almost pitch a no hitter in St. Louis. Like he has done well against these guys. So um, we'll see. I mean, we'll, I, I think we may not hear as much <laughs> um, until maybe the later part of this series, but you know, I mean, they're professional baseball players. So of course they're good at what they do. It's a matter of what our pitching can, can make them not do. We'll say it that way. I mean, I'm sort of curious how many pitches Kyle Hendricks needs to throw a complete seven inning game. I, yeah, it, what sucks about that is he can't get a no hitter because I'm, I'm I'm not entirely sure Kyle Hendricks like is going to hit his like he might have to throw after the game. <laughs> He's going to need extra work after this one. David Ross is going to be like, buddy, you only threw like 65 pitches, so you got to go head out to the bullpen and throw 30 more. Listen, if he can pull that off and give our bullpen an extra game, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. And no one would put that past him because he has been able to do that in nine inning games where he's gone eight innings or even nine innings and pitched so little. So seven innings feels like not even a challenge for him. But again, I mean, you know, your approach has got to be a little little bit different because you're dealing with seven innings here. So, you know, he knows what he's doing. I'm talking about Kyle Hendricks. He knows what he's doing and he knows how he's going to approach this and and how he's, you know, approaching the batter. So I'm I'm just excited to see how, if he can, you know, it sucks though, because it, does he get it? He gets a complete game. He just can't have a no hitter, right? Right. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how he does, but, uh, you know, I expect nothing less than a complete game from him. 
We'll call it the Hendrix instead of the Maddox. There you <laughs> the, go. I like it. It's uh, only in 2020, right? Only in 2020. Um, <laughs> so speaking of pitchers, uh, it is, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking on Monday morning and the only pitcher the Cubs have announced is Kyle Hendricks. Um, there are two games today and the second game is still listed as TBD. So that's, that's a thing. Uh, the Cardinals have actually announced three of their starters, but neither of the starters for the second doubleheader on Monday or Wednesday. So what I mean by that is um, uh, Kim, Huang Wen Kim is going to start tonight, uh, Monday, the afternoon game. And then the night game is TBD. Daniel Ponce de la <laughs> is going to start the Tuesday game, which is the regular nine inning game. And then Jack Flaherty is going to start the Wednesday afternoon game, but the night game is TBD. This is so confusing. Like, I don't even so – we don't really have quicker matchups to talk about other than making Kyle Hendricks jokes, people. <laughs> well, it, to me, I just – you know, I kind of feel like this is like make-believe land. You know, like this is like – it's so weird. Like everything – this series is going to be very different in um, – I mean, you know, it's no secret. I live in St. Louis. So um, today I, I think the I, first pitch is 415 for the first game. And I've kind of nonchalantly mentioned to a few of my friends slash Cardinals fans that I'm putting the projector up this tonight for the second game. So if the first game doesn't go their way, I, I, I I'm taking bets on how if, if people show up for the game in my driveway on the projector, because <laughs> they're not going to want to deal with me. And not that I would sit there and talk crap or anything, but in their minds, they just don't want to sit by me knowing that I know that, you know, what we did in the first game. So we'll see, but um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to play the Cardinals. This it, finally is going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, one other note before we sign off and just let you all like have a ton of baseball for the next three days. Um, you know, the Cardinals did look pretty good against the White Sox. Their bats did not look like they had any problems from the layoff. It's harder to judge whether their pitching was effective or the White Sox were just being streaky. The White Sox have a lot of young hitters with a ton of swing and miss in their game. So it's one of those situations where you don't really know if that was like good pitching or if that was like great White Sox stuff. I will say this, the White Sox hit back to back to back to back home runs yesterday. I think that's right. It was four. Yes. Yes. It was awesome. <laughs> and that was the game where they finally beat the Cardinals. So props to the White Sox for getting that one done. I also want to note, this was my second favorite thing. And then Andy, I'm curious what observations you have from the White Sox Cardinals series, since you probably watched more of it than I did. But apparently, after dropping the first two games, the White Sox played the Imperial March from Star Wars while they announced the Cardinals lineup <laughs> during the third game. And this needs to be a thing, people. I want to see this at every ballpark where the Cardinals are the visitor. So I don't know if the uh, any of the Cubs organists who are playing this series listen to the show. If you do, hi, welcome, we love you. Um, I don't know who makes these decisions, but Imperial March, the Imperial March during the Cardinals lineup has to be a thing. Okay. So, so okay. A hundred percent. And I'm giggling because the look on my husband's face when that happened was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave the room because I was giggling so hard. Um, okay. So the back to back to back to back home runs were Mancada, Grandal, Abreu, and Jimenez. And I, Holy wow. Let, and let me tell you, 
I think the average exit velocity on those was like 106 miles an hour. (laughs) it It was they were gone. I mean, like there was, uh, it was just, you kind of felt bad for the pitcher because you were like, wow. No, you like, don't. No, you don't. I mean, He's a cardinal. You don't. Right. You I don't. know. I know. But it, still, I mean, okay. <laughs> and there was another thing about this series that I really, I did not see live, but I've seen video of this. And I did, I think I retweeted it on my um, Twitter. Timmy Anderson hit a double and was on second base and was kind of adjusting his stuff and looks out to Dexter Fowler and they gave each other a nod. And I tell you what, I don't know what about that, but something about that just really struck me. And I was like, I love that. I love that. Um, Both very um, vocal and kind of, I don't want to say in your face, but definitely out there about um, some of the, the issues that are going on in Major League Baseball. And I just love that they, you know, I don't know how well they know each other, if they're even friends or anything, but just the mutual respect on the field. And for someone to have caught that, I just thought that was a really cool moment. And Obviously, two players that I really respect and like, and um, they would be way cooler if they were Chicago Cubs. But, you know, it's just one of those situations that I like to take notice of kind of behind the scenes baseball stuff. And it's really nice to be able to see, you know, two players that are highly respected and all around what seem like very good guys you know, kind of show respect to each other um, on different sides of the ball. So I really enjoyed that. That was cool. Overall, this series had me extremely confused and in my feelings because I'm like, who in the heck do I root for? (laughs) Oh, obviously the White Sox. The White Sox. I, I, yes, yes. But then there was, you know, there was a couple moments when I was like, ugh, I really don't like the White Sox. But yes, yes. Overall, I would say that my, my loyalties stayed with, um, with Chicago on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like I said, the, the two seven inning games on Saturday were very strange. And Cubs fans, you'll, you'll see what I mean when you watch them today. Cause it was just overall, it was a very strange, weird feeling on how to approach those games. You know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. That first game of the series, I was like, I, I was in my pool that day. I had it on my tablet out at the pool. I'm like, hell yes, I can't wait to watch this. The Cardinals are going to look silly. They haven't played in so long, blah, blah, blah. I am telling you what. If it was not Devil Bird Magic that game, I don't know what it was. They had like three or four seeing eye hits in the first couple of innings that were just like, oh my gosh, of course the Cardinals are doing this against the Chicago White Sox. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that sort of thing too, because I felt like there was a lot of luck happening there. Some of their defensive line, how they had their defensive lines going were, were a little strange for me. But other than that, I mean, it was it was overall it was it was a pretty cool series, and um, I'm ready to play the Cardinals today. Yeah, I agree. That was I, I agree. That was um, a really interesting. You know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They I it didn't shock me to see them come out hot to see them come out um, doing their thing. It wouldn't have shocked me if they came out flat either. I just always expect the most from that team, and I think that. The Cubs will come in prepared to play the a Cardinals team that is ready to play. Uh, we will have everything that you need to know from the north side of Chicago on Wednesday evening slash Thursday morning when we look back at five games in three days at Wrigley. Um, until then, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at, at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us at, at Cup of Cubby Blue where we are covering all of your pandemic baseball Cubs news, notes, and banter. Until next time, bye.